so here we are. Number 30, Fried Squirms. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. We're going to talk about horror movies. Uh, we're going to talk about a very particular horror movie, but... So first, there's something I'm going to mention is that we're going to apologize in advance, but we're to the part of summer where I like to describe it as we're just sort of like living in the devil's taint right now. It's appropriate for what we do. And I don't have AC at my place, which that's going to be rectified in the future, cause I'm, but it's not going to be rectified until I find a new place, because that's... That's higher on the list of priorities right now. Yeah. So at some point in the future, we're not going to have to worry about this. But right now, in order for for us to survive, yeah, just sitting here, we're having to run like windows open. Basically, like we're letting in a lot more background noise than we normally do, and yeah. we're really hoping it's not going to affect the final output of this too much. But we're obviously we we can't tell until we've done it. But yeah, exactly. So we'll uh, we'll just act like Jason's outside taking care of some uh, some newbies. Anyway, so hopefully this doesn't end up sounding like shit. But this is how we're gonna try to run it for this week. But also for this week, we're starting Vampire Month. Yeah, and we're kicking it off with a black exploitation film. Do set- you surprise the hell out of yeah. me with this? So if you didn't listen to the last episode, to hear how we set this up is we've been wanting to hit vampires for a while, and so. We didn't want to do like we did with modern slashers and yeah, sort of like we, run through a history. We ran a gamut, yeah. Because there's been so many vampire films for so long, and they've took so many forms by this point, that we felt like it'd almost be impossible to run like a, a comprehensive history without taking like a year to do that. Yeah, and even then, there's no telling how much we'd miss out on as well, you know. So, Very true. And we, I think we'd just get burned out in vampires. Oh, yeah, after a while, I can imagine be, so. Yeah, fuck this like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're into it i might have to reconsider but i think given a month and the way that we formatted it to having two that we'll choose you know one a piece from pre-1990 yeah one yeah we decided 1990 doesn't seem like that long ago but it was almost 30 years ago yeah which is like said so once again i don't want to talk about it but uh yeah i think it's a good so it's a good l- little... maybe a good marker for for some of our listeners so we each chose one pre-90 so and you ended up winning the toss to go first, right? And so, surprised the fuck out of me. Yeah, and I, I was mentioning to you outside of our, our you know, doing our podcast, was that it, you know it, it takes a couple of maybe you know guesses to try to boil it down to which film you really want to do. You know, I still haven't been able to pick my post nineteen ninety. It's tough. I mean, I've already I had mine in mind for a reason, and that's why I have my mm-hmm. post nineteen ninety ready. But this one took a little bit more time, kind of figuring out which angle I wanted to come from, because like you said, you can go all the way back as far as you want to with the vampire genre. But I wanted to do something that I'm not sure if we'll ever get to touch again in terms of this vampire genre. So that's why I wanted to go with Blackula for our pre-1990, or at least my pre-1990 Blackula. Dude, I'm so excited. About yeah. I love exploitation. So it's, it's it's one that you had mentioned that gets brought up in pop culture. Not, not necessarily, necessarily in horror. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to come from it probably from different angles. Right. With that, I think maybe that's a good segue to get to the guts and bolts. And then we'll get into it and why I'm so excited to talk about it just in general. Yeah, so with uh, our number 30th, we're going to delve into... Blackula. That's not a joke, by the way. No, it's not. Before we get into the guts and bolts, I want to explain really quick that I have had conversations in real life with people where I've had to explain that I am not just making like a slightly off-color racist joke by bringing (laughs) up the name of this movie. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with it, it's like we're not playing jokes on people or we're trying to be funny this is a no and this, a real film and it's really it's awesome not racist no it's not it's not at uh, all 
But I have had that in real life where I've had to be like, well, let's understand. No, 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 this is a real movie. No, it's a real thing. No, black exploitation is a thing. They're like, wait, what? I'm what? like, yeah, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not what you think. Yeah. Some, it's iffy, depending on who you are. And I kind of understand some of the arguments against it, but we'll get into that. Yeah, in we'll dive into it first. Guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. For no. Blackula. Uh, I think you have better notes than this on me. I know that you've done a bit more homework on this movie than me, which is kind of fitting since it was your pick. Well, so. yeah. I mean, that's. I think typically when you bring a baby to the, to, you know, to the show, you you want to bring enough confidence in what you're why you brought it to the show in the first place, right? So I did a little bit of research, and uh, we'll hit it off like we always do. We'll we'll just kind of breeze through our cast of characters, starting with maybe our directors first. Things like that. Director uh, William, William Crane. Crane. He was known for uh, doing like episodes of Mod Squad, Starsky and Hutch, Dukes of Hazard, The Designing Women, and a movie called Doctor Black, Mister Hyde. So it was a variation of you know Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, okay. Writers were a duo: Joan Torres and Raymond Koenig, known for this film and for Scream: Blackula Scream, which is the sequel, sequel. to this film. So that was uh, the only work. Two years later, one year later, somewhere in that. I don't range. know. I know it has one or two years. Career. That's what mm, I know. Yummy. Um, cinematographer or or our director of photography, John M. Stevens. He was mostly known for his work as like second unit director of photography on films like The Titanic. That's the Leo DiCaprio version. Okay. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Wow. Uh, Sorcerer, Billy Jack, Major League Two. No shit, Billy Jack? Yeah, no shit. And The Fog as well. Nice, okay. So, you know, I had a pretty nice little filmography there because we've been editing both of us. It's like, you know what? Editors should get a little bit of credit for what they do, man. I started thinking about it. Yeah? It's not an easy job. No, it's not an easy job. So, with that being said, our editor on this film was Alan Jacobs, known for Charles Bronson film Death Hunt, Cleopatra Jones, and Love at First Bite, which is another vampire film. Our music, which I talked about, Gene Page. He was known for like some of his, his orchestra work in Brewster McCloud, the film, and Grace of My Heart. But this gentleman was the co-arranger of many Barry White's biggest hits. Uh, other oh. hits he arranged included Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John, Stony End by Barbara Streisand, and You've Lost That Loving Feeling by the Righteous oh, Brothers. Shit. So, yeah. Damn. This person uh, cool. carried his weight yeah, in yeah. gold, and it paid off in this film, too, in oh, many ways. Our special effects was Roger George. He had some pretty cool film credits in terms of his pyrotechnics mostly, but he also did special effects makeup. Did work on The Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Repo Men with Emilio Estevez. And somebody we've covered before, Dennis Hopper was in that film. Oh, okay. He also did... Not dual-wielding chainsaws. No, 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 but it's still a fucking bizarre film. Super bizarre. Really good, though. Also worked with uh, Joe Dante on The Howling. Oh, okay. Uh, the Beastmaster with Don Coscarelli. Oh, oh my God. Who we I covered. Love me some Beastmaster. In our episode of Phantasm. And one of my favorite 1980 films, Night of the Demons. Okay. He also did work on Ghoulies and Night of the Creeps. Nice. Yeah, I was like, damn, that's pretty cool. Production companies, AIP, American International Pictures and Power Production. Distributors, AIP, for the 1972 United States theatrical release. Astral Films released it for the Canadian release in 72. Columbia Warners, 73 in the United Kingdom, and Warner Brothers in Japan. The budget was about 500000 okay. United States. It grossed over a little over a million dollars. Pretty good return, considering. Release date, August 25th, 1972, here in the United States. You know, I like taglines. Warm, young bodies will feed his hunger and hot, fresh blood, his awful thirst. 
That's a pretty intense tagline for it this is. movie. Uh, There's this a shorter movie's... one that, that was funny. This movie overall is actually decently family friendly. I think so. I think anybody that There's a wants to get into a... of harsh language. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There is. Uh, Considering the time period too. Not a lot. It's interspersed <laughs> periodically in the film. Certain non-PC terms these days, right? But and even like the effects are. I mean, they're nothing. They're modest. They're modest. Nothing too heavy. Yeah, it's kind of. It's almost like what I would I would consider like TV violence. That's a good point. That's it's more for like I don't know, like I said, major network that kind of violence maybe. And maybe not like even modern less. day major network no. where you have like Hannibal and shit going on. No way. I mean like not even close. Mid nineties major network where yeah. it's like fist fights on the fucking beach or something because it's the nineties and shit had to be extreme. Like, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's it's certainly it's tame in comparison to today's standards. Yeah. Anyway, I, I guess. Let's get into the stars and stuff really quick, too, because this might be where I actually yeah. have a tiny bit of input. You might have more input on their careers, but I did notice well, a lot... We can lot, briefly cover them. I did notice a lot of parallels in this movie that this might be the, the good time to bring up. So Yeah, let's, let's so roll with the good times. We have, of course, first off, William Marshall is Blackula. Yes, and his... Uh, prince, or no, not Prince. Yeah, he was a Prince. Is he Prince? Yes, okay. he's a Prince. Prince Mamawalde. Yes, and he's a prince of an African tribe who in this film, I guess to give a brief synopsis of what this film's about, is he meets with Dracula on behalf of uh, his tribe and I guess certain African tribes in general to cease the African trade, slave trade. And he gets turned into a vampire, but he doesn't get released until the 70s. Right. So you have a classic Lugosi-style vampire. There is a love story in this. Kind of in the hood. Yeah. Some of this was shot in uh, Watt Stacks in L.A. And it kind of borrows a lot of themes that you usually see in the Mummy movies with him searching for his long-lost reincarnated love. Precisely. Which is actually kind of a... It leads to kind of a touching ending, honestly. Yeah, like, this is a solid film, man. This is a solid film. I'm surprised to see how low this film is kind of rated on some places. This is a very solid film. And then sometimes we have to bring this up so we can give it some recognition it needs, right? When I... The the parallels I'm going to bring up as as you bring up their credits is the fact that this very much kind of mirrors the normal Dracula story. Yeah, it's very similar. Very, very similar. uh, Similar. And I love Dracula to death. I've read it Likewise. many times. I've watched many iterations. And so some of the parallels and some of the characters really stood out. Blackula obviously is the Dracula parallel. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Like I said, he's a little bit more like the mummy. He is. There's certain points in this film, which I'll point out once we get into the next section, where it's... Uh, I know they are, they're dubbing certain effects, like sound effects. And I'll mention that for him specifically. But... The reason he got part of this role is he was known for a lot of his Shakespeare work. He did stage work for Othello and things of that nature, I think I mentioned to you before. But he also did television series like Rawhide and Tarzan, The Man from Uncle. And he got chosen for this part. And the reason he, the production company switched the part that he was initially supposed to play... Mm-hmm. He was supposed to play somebody like something like Anthony Brown, I think it was. But I don't know, a couple of decades prior to that, 
there was uh, somebody named Anthony Brown that had a checkered past that wasn't jive for better, you know, lack of better okay. terms, with the black community. And he was like, there's no way I'm going to play a character named this. I have to bring some dignity to this character. So he gave more of a backstory to the Blackula, um, Mama Walde character. To give, like I said, his his character and his performance some dignity throughout. And he, I think he fucking yeah, killed it, awesome. man. It's great. Ah, this is a, it's a fucking fantastic vampire yeah. movie. Here's really. a really cool note because there's another actor here we'll mention here in a minute that was in a variation of a Star Trek television series. But William Marshall played Doctor Daystrom on Star Trek, but William Shatner and yeah. you know all those characters, man. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of these cats did a lot of like the different TV rounds and shit. Back they in did. The day. He even did some stuff we mentioned with um, the Vincent Price film we did, uh, Witchfinder General. Some of the, not not Vincent Price, but the rest of the cast that did like BBC Productions, ITV. Okay. He did some ITV work as well, mm-hmm. like Plays of the Week, things like that. But one that you and I both just recognized, he also did. So people might recognize him possibly as the King of Cartoons on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Right. Mother, yeah. Fucking Blackula. It's crazy, man. Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah, I was like... Blackula. I, I grew up watching Pee-wee's Playhouse. There was some point I had seen the King of Cartoons and recognized the King of Cartoons, but not as Blackula. <laughs> wow. Boom. That... Putting that together kind of blew my mind a little bit. It's pretty Just early. like two minutes before this podcast started. Yeah. Wow. I, like, I like that. It was pretty awesome. I guess the next character in this film, uh, Tina, also Luva, is played by Vanetta McGee. Uh, the love interest, the wife. love interest, and the, prince the most obvious parallel to Dracula would be Mina Harker. Absolutely. Tina, Mina. Tina, yeah. Mina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easy. That's all I have to add. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, she was in a. She was actually in Repo Man. She was also in Shaft in, a, in Africa. Okay. So she was. Uh, I think the reason she got picked for this because of some of her work in films like Melinda and Hammer before prior to this. So uh, you know she was recognized in the community. The next person I've got written down, at least in this film, is probably Denise Nicholas. She plays Michelle, which is a sister of Tina in the film. So I, I kept going back and forth with the characters of Michelle and Lieutenant Jack Peters. Okay. As to which one was. Dr. Seward, and which one was supposed to be kind of the Harker? Because there's no true oh, Harker. Oh, that's a good in point. This. Yeah, I didn't think about that. And there's no true Quincy in this either, which, I mean, a lot of film Dracula adaptations don't include the film character, include the character of Quincy. Yeah. Some do, though. It seemed that there was no Harker, and instead that there was a Quincy and a Seward, but I still had. I had a hard time saying which one. I'd say she'd be more the Quincy because she was a little bit more the the up and go type. Yeah, that's a guy. Uh, I, I could see that parallel. Uh, but they were both kind of filling in for those characters in different times because, like, she goes with Gordon Thomas for the first staking. Oops, I'm getting into a little bit of spoilers. But, yeah, I mean that's what we do. But that's normally the Seward role, or is that normally the Harker role? Like, I have to go back on that. Cause I, you know, I think that's it's normally like this. Months or both. a little bit. Could be. Variations instead, of instead it, yeah. Of, yeah. Well, that's um, a good parallel. I didn't think about it in that, in that sense. So I was trying to figure it out, and it seems like they just sort of use those two characters back and forth in that role. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see like their actually take on how they were portraying certain characters in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. We were mentioning off of, off of airing this that we were going to talk about Bill Cosby. And the, part of the reason why is because Denise oh, Nicholas Bill. worked on some bill cosby productions most notably ghost dad oh bill yeah why bill yeah (laughs) i didn't think we were going to be talking about him also i may be wrong about this 
But in Ghost Dad, doesn't it open with, like, isn't he killed, isn't the dude that kills him, like, some sort of, like, neo-Nazi? Man, or, I like, haven't seen White that film Power? in a long time. Man, I might be remembering this wrong. Somebody, like, email us, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, like, the dude, like, the opening part of that movie, oh. when he gets, like, hijacked in the fucking car or whatever... Like, it's white nationalist or something. It's fucked wow. up. If I'm not mistaken, I think the first time I watched it was, like, when it was available to rent on VHS. Uh, so that might have been the last time I've watched it, to be honest. When did it come out? 92? I'll even be wager to say earlier than that. Maybe 1990. I'm going to have to look that up. Somewhere around that time period. But uh, she also did some work on the television show Living Single. And we had mentioned another actress. Jeez, it was 90, yeah. Okay. There was another actress that we had mentioned earlier on our podcast, actually in um, Get Out, who played the uh, the cop. Mm. Where, um, I guess, the you know, the sidekick to the main actor. They start making fun of him because, he, you know, he mentions, like, he thinks his friends are part of some sex games for white people. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she did some work on Living Single, and so did De- De- uh, Denise Nicholas. She also did work on uh, a show I used to watch, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> Have you ever watched that show? Right I loved Hanging with Mr. Cooper. I yeah. watched the shit out of that. So there were some pretty cool shows I recognized. She also wrote some stuff for Room 222 and in, in the Heat of the Night as well. Mm-hmm. You talked about Dr. Gordon Thomas, played by Talmus uh, Rusalala. Who's the closest thing we have to a Van Helsing. Absolutely, in this film. He's no kind doubt. of a... He's a self-made Van Helsing throughout the course of the movie. Yeah. He, he doesn't plays, come in being the expert. He's more of like a pathologist scientist, I think, mm-hmm. in this film. That's... I think what they give him credit for. But when he comes in, well... He starts to piece things together pretty quick. Yeah, he... That, that's kind of it. Like, he he's really quick on the uptake. He's not quick enough on the uptake. There's a couple scenes towards the end. Well, like, well I mean, yeah. have it figured out? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's still a little foggy. It is L.A. after all. <laughs> but he he's definitely the closest thing we have to a Van Helsing. Anyway. Uh, I totally agree. He did some work in Perry Mason and The Twilight Zone prior to this, Sanford and Son. He did a film with Lawrence Fishburne when Lawrence Fishburne was literally a kid. A movie called Cornbread, Earl and Me. Okay. Some, some of our audience might be familiar with that. He was also in Good Times, the movie Roots. He was Kunta's father, wasn't he? I think you might be right. I mean, we have to check that, but I'm, you might be right. We mentioned Star Trek earlier. He was He's he played Captain Donald Varley in Star Trek The New, uh, the Next Generation. That's right. With Captain Luke Picard. You mentioned the Sanford and Son thing. Yeah, I love did Sanford you, and Son. Did you see the kind of little morbid little factoid that sort of links those two? Oh, no, two? I haven't seen that. So uh, him and Red Fox actually died within days of each other. Oh, wow. Uh, both from heart things. I think heart attacks or heart failure or something. The episode of Sanford and Son that he was on, I think he was a salesman trying to sell Sanford, like, heart medication. Damn, do you think the writers put that in there? Like... How fucked up is that? I know. Like, years and years before, and then they die within days of each other, both from the same sort of shit. That is fucked up. That's karmically related to that. That's wild. I didn't know that. That's, That's a pretty cool nugget. That's about. That's what I can add about him. Here's, that he's got a bitch and mustache. Yeah, no shit. He does have a killer mustache in this. Uh, the next actor I want to give credit to is Gordon Pinsent. He plays uh, Lieutenant Jack Peters in this film. The reason I wanted to bring him up, not because of his role specifically in this film, but he did some voice acting for children's shows. Fuck his role in this movie. We're just going to bring him up anyway. No, he has some. I mean, he he plays somewhat of a part. You know, yeah. I won't say major part, but he does play a good part in this film. He did work for the the show Babar, which is a children's elephant show. 
Do you want you want no me to tell shit. you what the part he played? Yes. King Babar. You're kidding I'm me. I'm not kidding you. So growing up I watched Boom. Babar like yeah. as a child. Yeah, me too. Love Babar. He's, and yeah, and then I find out I was like, What what? He's King <laughs> Babar? Yeah. Boom, got me there. He was. Uh, I didn't write down what he played in the uh, the Old Man in the Sea, but he did play a part in that film. He also did work on the show Hogan's Heroes. He did work on the film The Shipping News and a Canadian film, The Red Green Show, and one that I actually found while I was in. I think I was in Montreal at this time, and I was in a record store, and I wanted to see if I could find any Canadian like comedy shows, mm-hmm. you know, television series. That's where I discovered the Trailer Park Boys. But there was also another show I discovered called Puppets Who Kill. Okay, and that show is about children's TV puppets. And like dummies who have committed certain crimes, and they have to go to a halfway house and get rehabilitated. But mm-hmm. while they in rehabilitation, they have relapses and shit. It's, it's a really funny show. But uh, he did some work on that show. He's most notably known for Canadian work. Dang. Yeah, I'm kind of rolling through his his filmography here. A He's got bit. a lot of shit. He goes way back. Some cool shit. Yeah. Um, the next person I want to give credit to, who actually plays Dracula in his films, is Charles McCauley. He was in the film Splash with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Yeah, okay, Dracula. Yeah, not, I, not bad. I mean, yeah, yeah. Dracula's kind of a dick. In this one, he is. Yeah. He did some work also in Perry Mason in the movie The Big, uh, the big Red One. I was like, I don't know if I want to know what that means. Right. Literally. Mm, ew. <laughs> it's like Clifford's. <laughs> yeah. That's a dog's lipstick. <laughs> the next character uh, who played Swenson in this film, which is the funeral home director, Lance Taylor Sr. He worked on the movie Frogs, which is a horror film about fucking frogs. Uh, Three the Hard Way and a movie called Shell Game. Okay. The next are just a, a series of members who are, they don't, they're not huge in this film, but they do have some, some roles in it. I'll breeze with them. Was Ted Harris played Bobby McCoy. Rick Metzler played Billy Schaefer, who both of those guys were a couple in this film. There are some homophobic slurs that come up in this film, referring to these two gentlemen. But they play interior decorators, or maybe antiques dealers, too, is what I was thinking more appropriate titled. Anywho, they play, like I said, Bobby and Billy in this film. Ketty Lester played Juanita Jones, who was the taxi cab driver. Yep. Alesha Cook Jr. This is the one that kind of blew my mind a little bit. He played Sam. Sam was the guy who worked at the morgue. The guy with the oh, hook. Okay. Oh, the guy with the hook. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I was like, man, that guy looks kind of familiar. And the reason why, because he was in the Adam West Batman 66 through like 68 as... television series as Professor Isaacson. Okay. So he played a couple of episodes as Professor Isaacson on the show. Cool. Emily Yancey, she worked in the nightclub on this show. I mean, in this movie as Nancy, the one who takes oh, the photos. Yeah, yeah. Logan Field played Sergeant Barnes. He's the one who discovers her later on in the film. Right. On the porch. G2 Kambuka. What is Skillet? Skillet. Hot off the skillet. Oh, fucking Skillet. Yeah. We'll get into Skillet. We're going to get into Skillet. With that being said, that's the cast as a notice I've got for some of them. Some of those nuggets right there we shared blew my mind. Specifically King Bavar. I did not fucking realize we were going to ever talk about that. Yeah, that's pretty fucking neat, actually. (laughs) Jesus. Whoa. Oh, yeah, my brain almost hurts from that. The king of cartoons? King of cartoons. (laughs) Damn, so. Fucking Blackula, right? Brought up my childhood a couple times. So, that's fucking awesome. I'm excited to talk about this movie for a couple reasons. So, before we get into that, we should probably give them a little bit of warning, too, right? Warning. We did talk about 
during this time period because it is an exploitation film you know they they do play on certain tropes not heavily but there are some tropes some of it has racial slurs and some of it like i said has to do with homophobic slurs now yeah but there's not it's not much. heavy it's not heavy but it does get brought up a few times in this film yeah otherwise the violence isn't bad like violence said, isn't bad it's just violence. like some tv violence it's blood and not the big. classic dracula story so. yeah it's a really good film all the way through like yeah. a solid story whatnot we gave a, a brief synopsis I guess, but other than that it's pretty tame man really right yeah it really is i, I think with that let's let's move on into it yeah you want to squeal it. on this baby bam yeah and bowie and bowie bam uh, and we're gonna squeal squeal on number 30 how does that make you squeal how does that make us squeal man it made me squeal proudly for this film man if you listened to the last episode you would have heard how excited i got when you said that this was your pick and it's because I have a very, very soft spot in my heart for exploitation movies sort of across the board. When I went to watch this episode, when I wanted to think about what we were going to say in this episode, I kind of realized we haven't touched on exploitation movies since Cannibal Holocaust. I would agree with you on that, because in between we haven't really... Like you said, we haven't talked about exploitation a lot. And that was episode 10? I don't, I don't remember for sure, but that sounds right. So I think so. Somewhere in the top 10, maybe top 11. Anyway, it, it was a while ago. It was literally yeah, probably was... like 20 plus weeks ago that we last talked about. Ooh, I would agree. At least that long ago. Yeah, probably at least 20 plus weeks ago that we talked about exploitation movies. So I thought maybe this was a good time to maybe go into a refresher. I would like to do that. I think it's a good of point. Of some sort. Exploitation is kind of loosely defined. As far as genres go, it's one of the very much more subjective genres the the intent of an exploitation film is that it's part of its allure is the fact that it pushes some sort of boundary it it banks on some sort of gimmick that's otherwise not necessarily marketable in the open marketplace but on the fringe marketplace it throws all of its chips at that knowing that there's going to be if nothing else the controversy associated with that is going to be free press no doubt. It's a way to bring up certain social contexts, like the time periods that they're brought up in, the social climates. Like you said, you can bank on it depending on how they play out a certain trope or how they pan to a maybe a certain audience, like you said, a fringe audience. But they'll know they're going to get a, a demographic who'll, who'll know, who'll know what this is about. Almost across the board, they're in some way extreme or taboo. No doubt. With... This being one of the subgenres that's an exception, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are definitely some social aspects for this film in this time period. And it plays on certain aspects of African-American culture in general. But, you know, aside from that, it doesn't play on like certain, like, certain dynamics that would spoof it or satirize it or, you know, marginalize certain things. So the thing is, with, with most exploitation movies... You kind of have to describe them with more than just one subgenre. Wow, you do. Just because of the way that they push the extremes, the way that they, the sort of weird thing that makes them seem like an exploitation movie. Because, like I said, it is very subjective. There's some movies that some people would consider art house films that others would consider exploitation movies. Yeah. There's some movies that just because of where the extreme is pushed to and based on the viewer's personal ideas it might be an exploitation movie or it might be something else 
there are a lot of movies that definitely fall in the exploitation movie category. Exactly. But a lot uh, sort of ride the line. And so you have to sort of, you you name it with its exploitation and something else. When we covered Cannibal Holocaust, that's a cannibal exploitation film, and found footage mock documentary. Yeah, so you do have to approach, like I said, how you interpret things to people so that maybe you're trying to get a certain idea across but going into these type of films exploitation films everybody brings a certain prejudice or a certain idea beforehand right depending on what the topic is everybody has a certain uh, like i said subjective opinion so that's an interesting one in the name alone i think is kind of controversial black exploitation yeah sounds like you're exploiting blacks no doubt exactly so when you hear the name you're like hold on hold on we thought slavery was bad. Yeah, but now you're wanting to exploit black people on film? And it has been kind of a controversial subgenre to the point where it kind of got stamped out through a coalition of different organizations that felt it was propagating too many stereotypes about the black community. This film in particular stood out to me as a, what would now kind of be kind of a progressive film. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. It's a primarily... African-American cast. A lot of these movies across the board were also like primarily like black written, black produced. The music was all influenced by the community yeah, and so it's... was influencing the community as well, but not just with negative stereotypes, but also with strong characters and strong role models. That's uh, a good so point. Is, that's why it's kind of a mixed bag because there are bad stereotypes in these movies that were kind of reinforced. They do it to a, a certain extent, like you said. It doesn't necessarily have to go overboard with the stereotype. But, I mean, what's a stronger black character than Shaft, which is one of the very first black exploitation movies? Yeah. And you have to think about its, like I said, its social aspects and, and its dynamic during that time period when it came out, what it meant to communities of, it could be certain minorities, certain ethnicities, what have you. So it might not necessarily come across a certain way to certain groups of people as it would to maybe others. And it has influenced into culture as a whole. When you see rappers or just pimps, real pimps, doing the classic sort of pimp getup, that comes from black exploitation movies and sort of the way that they interpreted some of the stories that they were based on and the fashions available at the time and the way that they played up certain characteristics in these movies. It's evolved into being a thing. It is very interesting how it can spawn a whole like said, subcultural dynamic that carries on into mainstream audiences. And so this movie is black exploitation and horror. It is. And as we already pointed out, actually pretty tame. Super tame in comparison to what we cover in general and what we'll continue to cover. There's a lot of what people would consider like classic black exploitation would tend to be more like black exploitation slash crime drama. Or you have, like, Shaft. Like sticking it to the man. Right, yeah, sticking it to the man. Or, like, Sweet Sweet Backs, Badass song. Yeah, which we like, mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, there's a lot that I haven't seen that I've only know about. And, I mean, black exploitation in itself is a rather wide subgenre as well, because you also have slavery-themed black exploitation and all sorts of others. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a broad subgenre. But it got kind of wiped out at a point, but influenced things to come later on. Django Unchained is very oh, yes. black exploitation 
influenced Luke Cage. Marvel's Luke Cage about that is earlier. basically modern black exploitation, and it's done wonderfully. Yeah, there was another point that I was going to make about it. Oh, with this movie being black exploitation and horror, and I kind of mentioned it, kind of feeling kind of progressive. The prince is kind of a badass character, dude. My he is, is a, super awesome. I was rooting for him. Fuck the other. So the Van Helsing stand-in's kind of a dick. Yeah. The one guy even calls him out in the beginning. He does, man. He super calls him out. I mean, throughout, too, he's just like, he's cramping his style. Yeah. Mamu Alde's a kind of a badass character. All he's trying to do is get back to his woman. And even when he gets back to her... uh, She's single. She's not seen anybody. She's single. She's not seen anybody. He's like, look, you gotta want me. I'll leave if you don't. I'm not gonna force you to do anything. He does. I'm I'm positive. He's like, look, I'm positive you're my wife reincarnated but if you don't want me here i'm gone yeah and it kind of seems like him being a vampire kind of makes him have a natural magnetic personality but it's not like he can turn that off it wasn't his fault he's a vampire now no it's not he it was forced upon him so she was all for it yeah she did object she was down and if we can jump to the end just to keep commenting on the character of mom walde the way he's defeated is he loses her, so he just walks out into the sunlight. He lost her twice. Yeah. He's kind of a badass. Once he has it, well, I guess he does go on a spree fucking making a lot of other fucking vampires. But. It's just a kind of blowback of the whole series of events. And, you know, it's it's a part of it. It's a domino effect, right? Mm-hmm. Something triggered something, and it's going to trigger something else. And that's what happens in this film. All the uh, the vampires that, you know, take form. I guess my overall point is that black exploitation isn't a bad thing necessarily no it, it's a good way that's literally what my whole point was supposed to be no i mean i, I understand but that <laughs> there's you, a reason this is the fried square you so. mentioned at the, at the beginning of that though that you have to explain like it's not just one thing it's this and this and maybe this and right it's this it's whole movie cover. is sort of exploiting the fact that it's intentionally pandering towards a black audience but it's not pandering because it's being made by them reverently but it's still exploiting certain characteristics to help identify i think it's a good way to maybe relate Uh, yeah right back to the audience that it's that they intended for so you have to put certain could be stereotypes or maybe like little slangs or term you know things of that nature in there so that you're like oh i can relate to that because that's something i would use or i'm i can relate to that's something i was actually surprised with there were way more, ins- I mean, way, way, way less instances of honky and cracker than most other black exploitation movies. <laughs> yeah, cracker, honky. Yeah, I mean, that's something that you would generally hear. Like I said, it's sticking it to the man, and typically the man is white man. Yeah. In this case, though, it was it kind of plays like Dracula. Yeah, it's like Dracula's a dickhead. He put this on me, and all I wanted was to be with my woman right. and set my people free. And come to, I guess, the height of society and civilization. They just wanted to be a part of it. Got shot down because the slave trade was too good. (laughs) Too good. Uh, So they do bring that up. That is a way of explaining black exploitation in American history. mm -hmm. Indirectly. They don't go on a history lesson, but it's a part of it. Yeah, it does get worked in. I mean, that's That's another thing. In a lot of black exploitation movies, if there's a chance to work in slavery, they do. Oh, no doubt. And a lot, 
People I mean, even wrong. a lot of the uh, the initial press for this movie played up the slave aspect a lot more than it actually comes up in this movie. Yeah, it's just it's a sign. It's, neat. it's cool. No, it, it's a back story to the reason why we're even watching this film in the first place. Oh yeah. By the way, this movie starts the other fat reason Mom Walday's a badass. He goes to try to fucking abolish the slave trade. Yeah. He goes to Dracula's castle. He has a... I guess they have a group meeting of, of different leaders of different nations, mm-hmm. right? And they're impressed with him being Mama Walde. He pitches that idea, and, and Dracula and like, doesn't hey, like go it. go for it. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, I am just want to leave with my wife. Dude, because Dracula's a dick in this movie. He is, man. He well, Eventually, they get held captive. He... Dude, Almost every other fucking Dracula line, he's throwing some sort of fucking shade. He is. He's an asshole in this film. I don't uh, know. The, the one thing that he says to the woman who plays Tina slash Luva mm-hmm. is when she and Mama Walde get held captive in Dracula's castle at the beginning of the film. And as they're putting Mama Walde in the coffin, Dracula looks at her and he's got his, those blood tears streaming down his really face. Cool. He that tells her... That- that re- redeemed a little bit of his Dracula for me, because otherwise I was like, this is, not only is he a dickwad. His dialogue was good, but he was a dick. I'm and like, not only is he a dickwad, but he's kind of a weak Dracula. Overall. Yeah. Not my favorite he had a per- this. Show. I think this is a pretty good dialogue. But that scene, the blood dripping down, yeah. the blood tear. He tells uh, her plus that. Plus his dialogue uh, in that scene redeemed him for me. Now, I mean, he's still not my favorite nah, Dracula. No, no, not by any means. But that line he tells her is, he's like, while she's sitting down there and starving and having her flesh ripped from her bones, he's like, know that his screams will be the only thing that'll keep you comfort down here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, god damn, cold-blooded. Yeah, it's nuts. And that's what happens. Apparently. And that's what happens all the way up until, like, present day, 1972, yeah. where you get these two gentlemen... Talk about progressive fucking movie. First yeah, couple, super progressive. Uh, second couple, I guess, you see in this movie. Because, I guess, yeah, Mom Walde yeah. and... Technically, yes. For some reason, I kept thinking it was the first couple, though. Because she pretty much immediately dies. And it's more his just origin story. But Yeah, which plays on the fact, you like said, what Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. But, no, uh, so I guess the second couple you see in this movie, interracial, interracial. gay couple. Gay couple. And, and what are they 72. doing? They're... They're at the is estate it, of Dracula. Yeah, is it like an estate sale, basically? Yeah, exactly. And they're fucking buying up the fucking joint. All the goods. And they get it at a discounted rate. Also, they find out about the coffin. Did you think it was kind of fucked up that as soon as he signed the paper, he's like, by the way, we just took you for a fucking ride. Like, yeah, there's... <laughs> if you only knew how much we can fucking turn this shit for, like... You know, I, I mentioned to you, think about this, at the time this film came out, the director... Except he said it a bit more flamboyantly. Than oh, that, there, was a, there was a lot of that sweetheart. But the director was like 22, so you have to... Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking, it's like, man, he came at it at a certain angle, too, depending on his background and, and what he's familiar with in terms of social context. But that was interesting that you said that they put that in the film. So, I and I want to mention, like I said, a bit more flamboyantly, but they weren't they were super strange. No, 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 not at all. I was surprised with how, especially because it is an exploitation movie. But it's uh, dignified, like they, they say, with yeah. the other characters. Somebody, I think, behind the scenes was making sure that they were dignified, too, because, no, they just seemed like a normal couple. Exactly. There was nothing out of the ordinary with what they were doing. It wasn't walking stereotypes. No, no, no. They were doing what, what any other couple would do. It was it was wonderful. It was fucking progressive as shit, like I said. Which kind of makes sense. Because at the time, it would have been 
all the lovers of weird shit that were already living on the fringes of society. You know, they they would have, when I say they, certain mental institutes, hospitals, society in whole would treat homosexual couples as a mental disease. Right. So using them as progressive characters at that time period, like I said, it's way beyond its social standards at that time. And we, we mentioned it earlier, like... They do get called some things later oh, on yeah, in the movie. Do. They get called out. But I do want to point out that all the characters seem like they're cool, though. It's just more like time period. Yeah. That's, and it's not, that's not, the that it's, not that it's okay, but that's that was the acceptable social, I guess, uh, context you could use back then. But it absolutely seemed like they were all okay with them. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like, it all oh, my like God. It seemed like they were friends with them. Fucking completely cool with the fact that they, they were just, a couple. They knew. It was just the way that they would, I don't know, kind of demarginalize them. was really cool. <laughs> I, I, I know what you mean. And that's, like I so said, with, with exploitation films, you have to think, too, that like so even though people might be cool with certain groups, they still use certain words mm-hmm. that still demarginalize them. You know what I mean? Not that that makes a big difference, but it's still something that has to be brought up a little bit. God, no, that, okay, so, I thought that was awesome, though. But no, it is interesting. They kind of fuck up, though, when they do ask for that um, coffin, because they bring it back to Los Angeles. It's in a warehouse, and they, um, while they're in the warehouse, being uh, Billy and Bobby, they start prying open Blackula's coffin, because they want to use it as a decoration in one of their rooms. I think Billy, the white guy in, in the couple, he's like prying open some kind of shipping box, and he hurts himself, and he draws blood. And this is something I thought was it was cute and funny, but the way they did it was, you know, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a little exploitative, was when they pull up his the sleeve of his shirt, and they see the wound, and they're like, <gasps> they do like oh, that together. <gasps> it was so... Oh my god, it was great, but... It was like kind of queenish, you know? <laughs> it was a bit. They were the first kills. <laughs> it was awesome. But that's what happens. The blood draws out, and the fact that they open up the coffin, draws out Mama Walde, Blackula. He comes out, he attacks Billy, gets his uh, he gets his arm, that's how he draws the blood. Goes after Bobby, because Bobby attacks him, gets Bobby's neck, and that's how it starts. So... That's how it starts. One of the first things he has... I, I'm skipping That's ahead okay. a little it's bit. Okay. But basically, it's what we do. following Mom Walde, one of the first things he ends up doing that's of note and it really spurs on the rest of the movie is he ends up seeing Tina. He, he kind of goes after her. He ends up getting her purse, this and that. Cool chase scene. Cool chase scene. But she... I guess maybe it's because he's vampire. I mean, that's the only way I can explain it. But he then... He's just like, cool. So kind of scared her with that. So I'm that just going to go be suave instead. Fuck this shit. Yeah. And so he just goes and returns it to her. And immediately she's like... Come sit with s- us. Yeah, come sit with us. Uh, I think I want some of that vampire dick. Yeah. Basically. Some of that VD. <laughs> Give me VD. <laughs> yeah. She's immediately just fucking entranced with the guy. Yeah, I think Why he puts a little... Why did do that in the fucking first place? Does he, does he not he was he like, do that? He was like, it's modern times, I got to play the creepy ass bitch. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just joking. But I, and if he doesn't that is, know that he can do that, then he did a really weird flip of the coin instead of just like approaching it like carefully. Because instead well, he's like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to come up to. To his credit, though, you have to imagine too. He probably doesn't. He's so he's been in that coffin for so long. He doesn't realize what time period he's in. And then he sees Tina, who looks like his long departed wife. Oh, he's just saying, hey, that's my girl. What's up? And then she runs off. It freaks him out probably a little bit too. That's true. Because after he does that, he does get a fucking taxi. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He ends up killing her, too. Yeah, because she, this is something, like you said, we use um, terms. And she does use a term on him that does have a 
kind of it goes back to slave days too. The connotation she calls him boy. Yeah, right? she's like, well, who are you calling uh, like ignorant or something like that? And within the time frame of the movie and the way that they frame it, it's it's obvious that that's how he's recognizing it. And he's like, precisely, what the fuck, like who are you calling boy? Right? Yeah, basically. And then he turns on. You know, here's something I was talking about sound effects because it, it does happen when he attacks people. <laughs> it sounds like the the sound effects that gets dubbed in for his attack voice being Blackula's sounds like he's almost doing like the the Frankenstein monsters voice like oh yeah. <laughs> did you did you ever notice that in the film I, I didn't notice that but i noticed one funny thing with his choice in accent that made me chuckle every time i heard it and it's every time he uh, he called tina his louver louver <laughs> yeah they're my louver i'm like lover no louver i don't know maybe I'm like mr louver louver <laughs> you can talk you talk right the rest of the movie uh, at least understandably i'm not saying louver you're you're a loser stop it lover i don't know <laughs> i love you i love you man. it's funny well, i lube you <laughs> i lube you maybe it is exploitation Shit, right that's the other thing i think a lot of other black exploitation sort of ride the edge a little bit more with uh, sexploitations, oh, and you no tend doubt. to have a lot more nudity and sex scenes and stuff. Yeah, but this one is like super tame. Like I said, made for television almost. 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 For now it would be. Yeah? Oh yeah, you could easy run this movie on television. I think. Yeah. You could even bleep out some of the like said un- un- unacceptable terms. And easy. Be... It, w- it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be hard change anything about the film. They're, they're, for the most part, few and far between, really. Yeah, I agree. They totally happen agree. a few times, but it's few and far between. Yeah. And um, it's nothing of no, not really. It's yeah, no. I'm I'm trying to think what really stood out to me past that though. All right, so at that oh, point, I mean, after overall, they, after I wanted meet, to point right? out because at the meet and greet, you start running into a lot of people. Oh and yeah. I wanted to point. <laughs> oh shit, that you actually reminds me. Not yet. Okay. In a second. First thing I noticed was I love the fucking fashion throughout the oh, entire movie. Everybody looks good in this movie. Everybody super looks good stylish, in this movie. man. I was thinking that too. Is like the hairstyles were awesome. The suits were nice. I love the whole club scene when they introduced the the band, the Hughes Corporation. That surprised the shit out of me. Yeah, uh, I didn't put together who they were immediately. I was just like, this is really, really, really good music, and they're like giving them their time up on the screen and they're doing they were shit. entertaining and that was that's what they do right mm-hmm. what yeah when i found out they did the uh rock the boat song rock the boat yeah Such well a i'd good like song. to know when you've got the notion well i'd like to know when you got the notion <laughs> yeah that song's so dope well that was them they're, they're the ones who are the performers and the songs that they perform are fucking dope and they do what like two or three throughout the movie i want to say at least three that three I can think of, right. yeah. Three sounds right. The lead singer, I guess, she does the first one. I guess more of her mm-hmm. being the standout. Second one was God in Love, too. Yeah. You know? And then the third one, I think it's it might be a mix of them all again. But anywho, the whole club dynamic was something that you would see in probably any African-American community. Late night clubs and shit like that. Funky-ass music. I would, I would want to be there now. Yeah. Super dope. So cool. Everybody good music, looked good. good times. Fucking skillet. Skillet, yeah. G2. Dude, I'm surprised none of them called him out. Because they all looked annoyed as shit when he sat down and started drinking on their fucking champagne. Yeah. So skillet. I like champagne. Comes out of nowhere. It is, it is. Uh, it's Michelle's birthday. It's Michelle's birthday. So, and he does know them all and stuff, but. But he's that dude. He's that dude. 
he shows up, invites himself onto their table, just to hit on their waitress, who it seems like he's had relations with in the past. Yeah. It, it does appear that way, because she's like... She makes comment that if he follows her to the red room, all right, the developing room, the, the pictures won't be developed. No. Yeah, so anyway. Uh, <laughs> but motherfucker just like, oh, cool, y'all got champagne. Oh, you got like, champagne. <laughs> he starts fucking helping himself to everything. Yeah, I mean, getting in everybody's, say, it's that dude. He's that guy, and everybody just looks annoyed as like, shit damn. with him. And I was annoyed as shit with him. I'm like, who the fuck's this guy? Who the fuck is Skillet? Skillet, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, man, you check his digs out. Well, he's like, man, you see that cape? Damn. <laughs> That's a strange dude. He's trying to call out Mama Walde. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got no room to be talking there, skillet. And so, the, was the other guy there, the doctor? Oh, yeah, the doctor yeah, okay. was dating Michelle, right? Right, right, that's what I thought. Yeah. For so some th- reason, I thought he wasn't there in the first one, but then I remember there definitely was another we guy We should probably there, bring so. him up just a little bit, since we're talking about this scene, too. Is The doctor, like I said, he has that Van Helsing kind of dynamic in this film, because he starts to notice the bite marks. He's some kind of science pathologist for the police department, it appears. Did he at times give off kind of a rapey vibe to you? I wouldn't say not so much rapey. Maybe not but rapey. It, maybe not it was, rapey. It was funny. as like more... I thought he was like being kind of like a part-time alpha male. That's that's too that's too far. But... No, he's just like he was always doing that like LL Cool J like kiss. <laughs> he was he was the closest <laughs> was thing though to like the stereotypical macho man character. Yeah, I could see that. He was he was almost the shaft of the flick, but he doesn't he doesn't get enough. No, 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 no. not not in comparison to Mama Walde. No. Not even close. Dude, Mom Walday and Tina end up having a nice night together and they everything. Do. Like, she was planning to go along with him. She was slowly deciding on it. But she, in the end, I think she would have fully decided to go with him. And I think it would have... I don't think he was influencing her all that, like, 24-7. No, no, no. Yeah, in her presence or in his presence, they were being influenced. And she was... But she was still thinking about it past then. And she like, was. no, this is kind of a good idea. He's like, nice. Yeah, you... Tr- Treats me like fucking queen. Yeah. He calls me his Luva. Yeah. <laughs> My Luva, Luva. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Is that what he's saying? Luva, not lover? Maybe. Luva. I think that so. Makes, cause it was, that's what her, her name, name was. was Luva. Did I miss that the entire time? Maybe. Was I, God damn it. Because she was, she had that cool makeup on and stuff at the beginning of the film. Yeah, and that's what her name was, Luva. Yeah. I thought he was just trying to say lover. Oh, well, all right. I was thinking when I was thinking while you were talking a little bit about the, the exploitation part i was like well william charles did grow up in harlem and i was like jamaica queens probably wasn't too far away <laughs> maybe he's just like paying an ode to his old neighborhoods my lover lover mr louver louver yeah <laughs> no it, it is interesting that makes a lot more sense yeah i think i think i just figured that out okay it's okay that's what we, that's what we're here for right but anyway Fuck Skillet. Oh, no, we are also that, talking That was about, my point. Uh, Fuck Skillet. Dr. Thomas. Gordon Thomas. Do- yeah, too, Dr. Right? Gordon Thomas. That's what we were He at. is dating Michelle. Michelle is Tina's sister in the film. Mm-hmm. So that's how that whole dynamic plays out. They do go to the, the wake of Bobby, who is the black gentleman and the interracial couple. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's where Blackula, Mama Walde, first spots Tina. And that's how that whole chase plays out and then you know he gives a purse back that's how they develop the whole relationship the girl who plays or the woman i should say who plays the uh, the waitress in the in that nightclub yeah she takes the photos and that's where she fucks up well he he knows he's not going to show up in the photos so yeah. he followed her and fucking offs her and the fucking her. Developing and that her. was another scene too i thought was kind of cool like how he appears mm-hmm. after she opens those drapes and he kind of almost floats towards her that effect and he's like oh <laughs> 
I mean, what it made me think of, all right, since we did bring up news radio in the past mm-hmm. with Stephen Root specifically, I was thinking Phil Hartman used to do that Frankenstein character. Oh, on yeah. SNL, okay. And it kind of reminded me of that when he used to do that shit. Now, the, the thing I found interesting was throughout this movie, sort of as a little bit of a subplot that ties into the main plot towards the end, yeah. is that instead of a Renfield. They just have him creating a lot of fucking random vampires. He does, and... And that's kind of what eventually sort of starts leading the Doctor and all the detectives and shit. Sort they start of in the right direction. Together. Yeah, because there is a connection. Instead with of the way just that... having a Renfield character that's being influenced by... I was thinking that, too, since you were talking about certain dynamics. I was thinking, I don't, I don't remember a Renfield-type character. It was just a legion of vampires that he was leaving behind. Which I did find, for how cool Mama Walde was otherwise, I found that to be a little bit irresponsible of him. It was, and... I'm like, is there no way you can just kill them outright? Like, Some of the is interpretation the... is the way that vampirism mm-hmm. is kind of a metaphor for enslavement, specifically of the way they enslave could be black women in the film and like certain black characters mm-hmm. and even like white people who are specifically cops in this film outside of that interracial couple. So it was, it was maybe like leaning towards a weird dynamic with that. Because, you know, it does play back to the beginning of the film, the whole point of trying to free the people of enslavement. Like I said, overall, though, considering how cool he is otherwise, I, I just found, kind of found a little bit irresponsible on his part, I guess. It, it was just leaving behind those people like that, or the vampires like that now. Especially when his, his whole real goal is just to be with Tina. That's anyway. all he wanted. Outside of his desire to, to feed, yeah. he should have been a lot more responsible. Well, I don't know. He didn't have very many victims, I mean, outside of the people in modern time. I would imagine at that point, like zero. No, because he was, yeah, zero. Up so he doesn't have experience. Been. No. So maybe we're being a little harsh on him. I mean, he makes a lot, though. You'd think he'd learn at some point. Before. Yeah, I agree, because there is quite a bit. Which, I mean, it's kind of cool, because he kind of had his little army at, towards the, the beginning of the end. Yeah, but, but they were, I was just maybe circumstantial. None, none of them seemed like as vamped out as him, though. No, not quite. He was super vamp. Like so that that brings vamp. up a question, I think. He was, like, directly cursed by Dracula. Yes, directly. They were just turned. Mm-hmm. And, like, Dracula had some thralls, I guess, or, like, lesser vampires. Oh, uh, I would imagine, yeah. That were obviously not as powerful as him. So was it because he was cursed, maybe? Otherwise, he would have just been, like... That's a good point. Shit vampire? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't from, like, to shit blood directly from Dracula. Like, wouldn't it have made more sense for Dracula to turn him normally and just leave him as, like, a shitty vampire rather than, like, oh, yeah. nope, guess what? You can also go turn into a giant fucking bat. And, like, you, you, can you, know, do all, you can do all my shit. He does make mention, though, I, I'll give a li- just a little bit of credit to Dracula at the beginning. He does say something to the effect that that type of progressivism in terms of freeing up the, the slave rounds, he's like, there we're just not ready for that right now. Mm-hmm. He's like, give it some time. Basically, what he's telling him. And now he's like, all right, 200 years later, all right, now you now you can do what you need to do. But now you got superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Now you got super. <laughs> it's still, uh, I don't know. It's weird. It seems like yeah, that would have been. A, seems like that would have been a better. I don't know. I don't. I mean, maybe not better, but. I know what you mean. It's it is an exploitation film. They had they did have. A, I mean, yeah. Obviously, I know why they did it for story reasons. <laughs> it's just mean. like it seems like it would have been a better punishment to leave him as a shit vampire rather than. Yeah. Hey, have all my powers. The only, the only thing that I could think. Oh, of... Oh, and you're never going to taste sweet blood again. But that's a lie. You're drinking that blood first thing you get. Fucking out. Face. I mean, in regards, if he wants to be a dickhead. Yeah. But he wasn't. Not but he entirely. said that. Like, you're never going to taste that sweet blood or always feel that fucking... But that's, that's not true. No. Maybe he's just punking him. 
<laughs> all, all the rest of his curse came true, but... Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know. That kind of stood out to me a little bit, but not enough. Like, fuck, I love this movie. Well, what happened to Dracula after that? He just kind of dipped out. They they explain, because everybody towards the beginning of the movie and, like, the gay oh, pop and stuff. Yeah, they do kind of. They're like, oh, yeah, Dracula's just a legend and shit. Like, no, he was, dude was like, no, he was killed by Van, Van Helsing, Helsing, like, a hundred right. years ago yeah, or something you're like right. that. Which, the only other thing, because of how much they tie back to the original Dracula legend and how much of it's kind of a, a little bit of a retelling. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Mina was saved from turning when Dracula died. And a lot of the times, if you want to save somebody, if you kill the progenitor, not across the board, obviously, since there's so much vampire everything, media. (laughs) Yeah. Not across the board, but in the ones that allow you to cure it in some way, a lot of the times it's like if you kill the progenitor, the others either die or are cured or something. That's a good Um, point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So what if Dracula would have just died, Blackula would have turned back to human in the fucking coffin. In the coffin. He probably would have died in the coffin. Died in the coffin. (laughs) Yeah, and then there would be no Blackula. (laughs) No Blackula. Gay guys open it up. Find fucking... Built, but just bones of bones. Blackula. Mama Walde. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen that way, so we had a story. Are we exploiting this? <laughs> just these things that popped into my I, head. I know. I there, there are continuity things, but it's not... It's, un- that's not even continuity things, really. It's just like, hmm. Yeah. There's so many times, like, in this genre that this acts this way, that... Thinking about it, because Dracula does die. Damn. Aside from that, I guess back to this film in general, yeah. right? Let's see. Yeah. Nancy... The, the waitress, she gets whacked. Let's see. Oh, that's when uh, Sergeant Barnes, because he was supposed to be responsible for getting the reports on Bobby and Billy, because somehow they got missing. He was supposed to return them to Thomas at the party at the nightclub the second time around. Okay. Right? That's yeah, when yeah. she has her birthday party, I think. Michelle, that is. And that's when Nancy goes back to develop the films. But after she gets attacked by Blackula, Mama Walde, the sergeant pulls up to actually give the reports to Dr. Thomas. But he sees Nancy come out of the house onto her porch. He helps her out, lifts her up. She bites him. That's the end of him. Right. I almost started to lose track how many people ended up getting bit throughout this that, movie. I thought that was pretty cool. because people was like, ended up kind of uh, getting bit she, throughout the movie. She, uh, she played him on that one. He got messed up. There was some pretty cool shit uh, along the way. I, I do really... I mean, I don't want to harp, harp on it too much, but I do like those nightclub scenes a lot, man. The nightclub scenes are great. And the funny part is, is like, this kind of sets it up, and that's like the first couple kills. And kills oh, there, keep happening throughout the movie. There but is the middle song. part of the movie is also just a lot of setting up kind of him running into Tina and her weirdly not truly falling for him because it's definitely under some sort of weird vampiric influence. There's a little influence, like you said. It's also she isn't not falling for him and him just sort of explaining to her everything. And Unfortunately, he has been killing a lot of people in the same time period, so they're kind of on his trail. I think, I guess the kind of piece sort of this puzzle together is Dr. Thomas, Dr. Gordon Thomas, right? The, the Van Helsing mm-hmm. parallel. I think he starts to piece it together after the taxi driver, Juanita. He, he calls up Sam, the guy who has the, the hook. Right. Because he wants to, to dethaw her out. He tells her to lock up, or tells him to lock the door. Because he's starting to get an inkling of what might be going on. Yeah, so that could be proof, right? Because Bobby disappears. They want to exhume Billy's grave. When they can't get permission, when I say they, when Dr. Gordon can't get permission to exhume the grave of Billy, to give him proof, he and Michelle wind up going out to Billy's grave. He, Billy attacks them. She thinks that Dr. Thomas is actually killing Billy. Right. 
Right? She, she freaks out because she does that also when Tina at the end or Luva at the end gets staked. She witnesses her sister getting staked. Right. That sucks. Yeah. What? She does take a part in that. So she becomes a believer afterward. How can she not? But that's when he starts to scheme those things together. When Nita winds up attacking Sam because he's a dumbass. I guess, was it, who's it? Uh, Lieutenant Jack Peters? The guy yeah. does the fucking voice of Babar? Yeah, yeah. They... They kind of bring him in later on. Yeah, he, as, the, as the investigation goes. I mean, he's in the movie sporadically towards the beginning, but do you remember when he p- tries to play it off at like these series of events? He tries to play it off as something related to the Black Panthers. Oh yeah, it was weird, man. Oh shit, he's like, don't you start that, Jack? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the doctor calls because he talked about black a couple crimes. times. Like, seems like some of this, you know, is kind of sloppy when it comes to black crimes and stuff. And he's like. Hey, that's not the case on this one. This is what's going on with this shit. Like, yeah, and that's when he gets Barnes and all that shit involved. But they do make mention of that, so that's a theme thing mm-hmm. in this film a little bit. Like I said, they touch upon it a little bit. That was interesting. Let's see. But yeah, once he starts to piece it together, they eventually do kill kill the vampire version of Juanita, the taxi driver, because she attacks them inside the morgue. Inside the morgue. Right. Yeah. That's when they start to really figure shit out, the links. Well, at that point, they're like, okay, starting to figure it out. Don't Let's they have that, that another meeting at the club where Tino actually goes off with uh, with Mama, Mama Walde? Yeah, and that's when they hook up, and that's when they or when Skillet makes mention that he hasn't seen Nancy in a while because he got something he wants to give her. And that's when they're like, "Yeah, she got my birthday pictures. I haven't seen her with." That's what Doctor Michelle says. Check it out and finds yep. the picture. He finds a negative. Mama Walde should have been in. Uh-huh. He's not showing up, so he's like, "Oh." Ah. There's also a book that he picks up. I think maybe in the morgue, it's like the dead ones. Yeah. Oh, and that's where he kind of gets most of his information. Yeah, for, for vampires. Because he does point, confront. At that point, he's basically the Van Helsing from that point on. I, I do like the fact that he does confront Mama Walde about being into the cold or maybe Satanism. That's the one thing. That scene, I can't remember exactly what's said in the scene directly after that. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that if you just switch the order of those two, it would make a lot more sense. Because oh, that's a good he point, doesn't yeah. figure... In that scene, he's kind of like questioning Mom Walde, like he already knows he's a vampire. Yeah, reverse but psychology. But he doesn't figure out he's a vampire until the next scene after he's already been getting on his case. Exactly. He just maybe he's like trying to call his bluff somehow, something like that, or, yeah. or just seeing if he can get him to crack or something. Yeah, but it is interesting how he poses that question <laughs> to him and how they have that dialogue back and forth about vampirism and well, you know, nothing out of the ordinary, I suppose. Mm-hmm. If you believe in these sort of things, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, that's when he totally figures that shit out once he figures this out he knows enough about vampires because he's been doing reading to be like well he's got to have his coffin this and that they start they start looking for that coffin. they start looking for that shit they got the police on it they're figuring it out they trace it back to the warehouse eventually in the film and that's where awesome oh that's because they lead the, the vampire version of bobby leads him back to that yeah awesome action uh, with them taking on a shit ton of vampires. So that, I did like that a lot. It's pretty cool. A lot of fire. I don't really... I, I don't want to say too much. You should watch this that movie scene for the vampires. That scene is really fight. fucking dope. It's really cool. There is a little bit of a slight social thing that, that happens between uh, the lieutenant, the white lieutenant mm-hmm. Peters, and one of the cops who turns. Like, he can't throw a certain object at him. Oh, yeah. And he, that's a pretty badass little part, though. It uh, is. It is fucking super dope. The whole scene, though, I, I agree. That's a, definitely a scene people have to really check out. Really good action. And at this point, they're kind of really on Blackula's tail. Oh. And so he's 
he can he's punch going them. to town too though yeah. he's killing a shit ton of cops his action is overall pretty good his is a little bit sloppier than that scene was yeah exactly I think that overall scene was totally movie, at this point in the movie every time he runs into somebody that's not on his yeah, side bullets don't work people bullets don't work <laughs> he's snapping a neck yeah. and moving on like he's leaving a trail of bodies like you said behind him Tina's coming to join him he does prose that, like, saying that you're my wife, this is how it's going to be. She's like, all right, she's going with it. And when she comes to join him in the middle of all this, she catches a bullet from a fucking cop. Stray bullet, yeah, because there is a scene where she gets hypnotized while they're, like, they're chasing down the coffin, leads them back to that chemical plant. They send all those fucking white helmet cops down there. One of them chases Mama Walde and, and Tina, and she gets that stray bullet right in the back. And, you know, it makes you wonder, too, did, did they do that as a way of saying, like, this is kind of a victimization of That's black people with cops? Yeah. I mean, they already called him out for the about sloppy the police time. work earlier in the movie and shit. Like, and even the way that that guy kind of closes his eye, it almost looks like he's, like, just winging it. She catches a bullet. He turns her to save her. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, an iffy move because he's also, like, cursing her with immortality and being a vampire and shit. But yeah. at the same time, She's she right was coming to join him. He does yeah. tell her right before they, they do like, it. I'm sorry. Uh, this is the only way, though. He said it wouldn't be painful. and mm-hmm. It's something else. He said there, it wouldn't be painful. It'll be swift or some shit like that. But yeah. So who knows? The fact is, she doesn't get to enjoy it much because as soon as they find her again, she gets staked. Oh, I thought that was fucked up. But then think about who does it, too. Another weird, maybe social way of saying, like, this is another way of white people being okay with abuse to black people. I mean, maybe I'm looking into it too much, but he had a hard time throwing that object at the cop, but he was he was right on top of stabbing Blackula if he was in the coffin, mm-hmm. or regardless if he was in the coffin, he was ready to stab him. Which, I mean, at that point, probably a safe thing anyway. I mean, I don't blame him. Right? Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'd be in the stabbing mood. <laughs> yeah, I'd be stabbing. But why couldn't it have been the Van Helsing character in that? Yeah, that's, that's what. True. That's what maybe that angle I'm playing at. That's true. I didn't think about that. Not until now. Huh. That's what I'm saying. It, I mean, it's it's a lot to kind of digest at once. And that's the thing. That basically ends it. Like, he hears her die because her death is fucking terrible. It is she's gruesome. She's screaming and writhing. She's writhing in pain, yeah. Uh, As, a, I guess, a stake person would, would they do. They try calling out Blackula, and he's like, hey, I'm here. Oh, man. Move away from her. He let tells me, them, let me like, have a moment with her. this will be your eternal tomb. And he repeats it a few times to well, them. Well, that's what he says when she gets shot. Oh, is that? Yeah, that's, that's when right. he goes yeah, on the yeah, yeah. killing spree. And they, then they find that, yeah, oh, shit. Then he appears to them, doesn't he? He's like, I'm right here. But at the end, when she gets staked, she's yeah. like, yeah, I'm right here. Exactly. Move away from her. Let me have a minute with her. He goes down. He talks that's to her right. a That's bit. right. That's right. And then he's like, and it's at the end of the movie. He, will he just ascends walks up the, the stairs. Sunlight. Yeah. And that's what happens. It's The, the effects are kind of cool for that. I thought there was a cheeky little joke at the end there, because when he's walking up those stairs, there's a big old no smoking sign. <laughs> And he walks up and basically bursts into, like, flames and melts. And Yeah, it's fine. It's kind of funny, man. That scene is pretty cool, though. I like the way it plays out. I, I was telling you, it reminded me a little bit of some of the 1970s Italian cinema mm, as well. Right. Because they were known for using kind of, I don't know, more, like, progressive music in their in their mm-hmm. soundtracks and shit like that. So. The soundtrack is so good. Like it you is said, super you dope. Have, uh, Hughes Company come in a number yeah, of times. Yeah. The overall Gene soundtrack Page. throughout is very, awesome. like, R&B influenced. Yeah. The costume design, you have to give them credit because it's super stylish, this film. I was just thinking the whole style of that time period was awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, really, I'm... Fuck, this is a good movie. It, it was a good way of, of kind of empowering certain, um, you know, black characters in film, too, because they, the main characters and just characters in general weren't, like, overtly stereotypical. You know, they were actually very empowering people. 
And I think it's kind of funny. We touched on it earlier. This movie gets does end up getting kind of referenced a lot more in pop culture, but not as much in horror. Yeah, and I wonder too if, if people just because of the name Blackula, I think it's just because the, they mean, play on that that idea that this is a goofy ass movie. Kind of goofy. Yeah, but not but not, not in, overly goofy. No, not not. Overly I mean, goofy. come on. In comparison, it's fun. To that. It's a fun. Movie. It's a really good film. It's one of those like so you can enjoy yourself with a drink or you know if you want to roast one. Right. I'd say you do it, man. Do it. I mean, we did. Oh, with uh, a nice fucking that R and B soundtrack to just lay love back it, man. with, man. Dude, Super funky. You came in and I was I was watching it. Yeah, you we had watched it on. the I was end like, of yes. it. I would have had it finished, except I ended up having to take a nap because I was laying there watching it. I was just like, the R&B was just like lulling me to sleep. Yeah, man, it was good. It was good and choreographed. And not to say the movie was boring. I just no, already no, watched no, no, it no. at that point. So I was, I was like, telling you, I was watching it last night. When I, I know it's coming out. I was tired, man. I know it's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pick it up. But I think overall, except for the time period, the impact it had on maybe like future films too within this, maybe not necessarily like exploitation horror, black exploitation horror, which is in the genre itself, mm-hmm. black exploitation maybe. It gave rise to like to some other films as well. I mean, this had a sequel. Gave Scream, Black Black Scream. Yeah, it gave Dracula a whole different um, identity in terms of its traditional, you know, characterization with. And white it's funny because it really was a Lugosi style Dracula. Yeah, but, but so, like, cooler. I really like the fact that William Marshall played. Uh, Blackula in this film because you know they could have picked who knows how many different actors they had in mind perhaps just knowing the fact that he had this certain presence and this certain dignity with the character and he gave him a backstory about his nobility mm-hmm. um, you know it wasn't just playing on like this is just some random you know African American guy I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really stood out to me about this movie but love that fucking end fight scene that's for sure yeah the end was really cool that that scene we were talking about I think people definitely should see that I'm going to harp on it again, but those whole club scenes were dope. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the style, man, it's just during that time period. I was thinking you could still do films like this. That was something I awesome. was thinking, man. I guess for the last few movies, we've sort of touched on this idea. But I think this concept would work for, like, maybe not a long-running one, but maybe, like, a mini-series on, like, Netflix or something. Oh, yeah. sort of get to stretch it out a little bit longer. Maybe... The one thing I, I thought was interesting was the, the opening credit sequence with the bat. Oh, man. It made it awesome. seem like the bat was just shagging the shit out of every chick everywhere that he was <laughs> yeah. fucking... Swallowing them up. fly. I was thinking that. I did write down... I need to, to mention who did that credit. I'll look at it here in a second, but... And that's not that the movie at all. Awesome. It's him no, all about being one lady. But I, what I thought was neat was, like, if you were able to, like, stretch out the story some and have it be like, he's tried to find her numerous times and she's being reincarnated, but every time he's like, you have to choose me, and most of the times up until now, she's turned him down. Yeah. And this is the first time she's accepted, and then it goes to shit to make him even more tragic character. Like I, I do like, like I said, when And he, you could develop it over time that way. And, yeah. You could play on that, that theme. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Have them thaw out in the 70s, have it be like a 10-episode miniseries. That would be awesome. And have it end in the modern day and update it through then. And he's like ran into like four or five different versions of her and hasn't been able to convince her. And like, yeah, maybe, maybe we need to scribble some of this shit down. Yeah, you never know. Copyright me. Yeah, there you go. What you got dips. I like it. But, you know, we were talking about some other films in the past where we were thinking about modern-day actors for certain parts and things like that. What's this, Snipes? I was thinking, I mean, uh, just being like, just being goofy, because I think of goofy shit all the time, but the guy who plays, the, the I guess, the the doctor at the, the morgue, right? Okay. That guy, maybe the uh, the coroner. 
uh-huh. uh, the hook man. I was yeah, like, who Sam. would I who would I put in his place for a modern day actor? And there was a few people came on too and came to mind to me. I was like, maybe you could put Steve Buscemi in that role, okay, for a modern day actor, or you could put uh, maybe Chris Elliott. Give me Wesley Snipes as Mama Walde. Man, that'd be dope. I was thinking... Give me Blade as Mama Walde. Give me Blade, long. yeah, no, that's, that's fucking awesome. But, I mean, you could do modern-day interpretations is what I was kind of getting at. And, of course, you can revamp it with... I, no I pun think, intended with modern-day actors. I think with how heavily Luke Cage leaned on black exploitation, that it's possible to do this style... To do a modern day reverent black exploitation update of a lot of these different movies. Oh man, you certainly could. Especially this one. I, I think it still worked. Maybe not the name. You might have to update it. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's kind I, of. I'm not sure how, but. I mean, no, I mean, you still might be able to sell black. It depends on. I, it would really depend on the I marketing. Know a few, I know to, a few names you'd I would. You have to sell it. I would not put in the, in the, the name of the, the title. I wouldn't put anything in the hood. <laughs> right. This isn't going to be... Oh, my gosh. That'd be too tropish. Yeah. Something in the hood. I wouldn't do that. You might be able to sell it as Blackula still. I yeah. I think you could. You could. Maybe. Yeah. Modern day version of it, but... Tyler Perry's Blackula. <laughs> good. Medea's Blackula. <laughs> Medea in Tyler oh Perry's God. Blackula. That would be fucking hilarious. If you want to go that angle, that would be awesome. I don't know. You could do Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Oh, you know, we're those. sorry. Okay, we're, I think we're I know, we're just that. riffing. But, um, no, aside from that, like I said, um, the whole film itself, the reason, like I said, the, I'll go back, the reason I, I chose this film is because of the fact, like I said, I don't know how often we'll talk about black exploitation films, right? We'll talk about exploitation films, but not necessarily black exploitation that deals with horror themes, right? Right. As prevalent as Dracula. Exactly. No, I'm still stoked that you chose this. Yeah, and like I so said, all the actors in this film are fucking dope. I love this film. I highly recommend it, so go check it out. Which And I think that means we're done with this, right? Yeah, so we're we're done with this film. So now, because of the way that we're doing this and the rotation, Tyler gets to choose his film. We haven't been away from him for a while. I mean, it hasn't been very long since we've been on, on this particular actor. But I mentioned before that my favorite Dracula is Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. So I figured if we were going to be doing vampires pre-1970 i had to fit in a christopher lee vampire movie yeah yeah uh he's probably more notably known for his work with hammer but i decided to choose a 1970 movie not with hammer where he plays count dracula yeah it's simply titled Count Dracula. It was a Spanish, Italian, German, British horror film. Oh, damn. So it was actually, most of the time you can really find it more commonly under the Spanish or the Italian names, right. which would be El Conde Dracula and uh, Il Conte Dracula, something like that. France's Le, uh, The Night of Dracula. Okay. Uh, Le Nuit. I, I don't know. Le yeah, Nuit? it's Nuit. Le Nuit de Dracula. Yeah. Uh... And the German is at night when Dracula awakes. Yeah, there's going to be a in that, yeah. probably. Uh, but it's simply Count Dracula, yeah. 1970, directed awesome. by Jesus Franco. Oh, I do. I have seen some Jesus Franco films. I'm familiar with him. He's a Spanish uh, horror director from the late 60s, 70s. So this yeah. isn't The Hammer. I know who This is a 1970 
Count Dracula, Jesus Franco's Dracula, and the reason I'm choosing it, uh, I'll give it away right now before we go into it, but we'll go into it way deeper, is it's one of the most book-accurate screen versions of Count Dracula. Nice, and it's another... Not just Christopher Lee, but another legend in Klaus Kinski. Oh, no doubt, yeah? So I'm excited to get to that. It's not the best version of Dracula, but it... I'll get into it more later. I said, well, this wasn't that's the best version of, of a Dracula either, but that's that's the whole fun of this. That's the point. 1970, a Franco, Count Dracula, nice, starring man. Christopher Lee. So that film is going to conclude our pre-1990 films. So yeah, so that'll be the, the first half. post-90. So. Yeah, man. So yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it because we're, uh, we're, we're in it now. To keep up with us as we keep going through vampires, we ask that you would please subscribe to us on either like iTunes or Stitcher or Tuned In. Yeah, we're still in there. That would be awesome. You can always stream us at our website, www.friedsquirms.com or on SoundCloud. Yeah, we're still on those. Got our Twitter. Yeah, we're pretty good. We're getting better at Twitter. We got Facebook, Fried Squirms. We're still there. And you can always email us, squirmcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We still love doing all this, even though Devil's riding out, and we're currently between his fucking balls in the back of his fucking hellhound, Steve. Yeah. So. It ain't exactly where I want to be, but, you know. Actually, it's not as bad as it was the rest of this week. No, it's today, actually pretty nice today. It's still not. But it doesn't mean we're out of the thick of his nutsack either. No, it, it still doesn't mean we're having necessarily the best time even just sitting here. Like, no, but I'm going to enjoy it while it, while we can. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get cold before too long. Fucking but winter yeah, is man. coming. Well, I'm stoked about seeing another Christopher Lee that's not a Hammer film. Yeah, not right. a Hammer. I, I like said, but I, I didn't know we were going to go with Houses Franco, so I'm stoked about that. I, I'll get to talk about him a little bit. Yeah, cool, cool. I'm excited. I guess we'll do that next week then. Yeah. Until so, then, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. We're still doing Fried Squirms Out. <laughs> Fried Squirms Out? <laughs>